Rusty Quill presents. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wake of Corrosion, Season 2, Episode 3 Crawl Space. This is Professor Ryan of Bunker A12. This is a public broadcast to any survivors out there. Before I begin, please be aware that I advise listener discretion going forward as some of the content of this broadcast can be unsettling or disturbing. Greetings, survivors. I'd like to start today's broadcast on a positive note. Claire was able to get in touch for a five-minute discussion over the radios earlier today. It appears as though she has safely made it through both nights following her encounter with the other... uh, I don't wish to call them survivors, as the lengths they're going to are abhorrent and beyond surviving. She's making good progress to her Radford Observatory. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited about her arrival there. 
although I appreciate the dangers she's facing along the way. I should hopefully hear from her again this evening and be able to share with you any other discoveries in the subsequent broadcast. However, in our excitement in discovering more from Ralford, we cannot ignore the brothers' story. Survivors, I've been able to review the content of what I'm about to share in this broadcast, and I'd like to take this opportunity to warn you of the difficulties the brothers face in their next saga. If you're uncomfortable with small spaces, then you may want to be mindful of that as we go forward. I shan't say any more. Let's begin. I just want this on for a moment. For the record, in case anything happens to us in there. I can't believe we're considering this. We've already spoken about it so much, though. What else is there to do? Nothing. If we want... Want to to get to Bunker A7, then we've got to cross the river. I know, I know. I just... I want there to be another way. Same here, bro. Same here. But there's no boats or anything even visible. I don't want to think how long we'd have to walk before we found one. If we found one. So are you explaining the for the record, or am I? I'll do it. So, me and Elliot are heading to Bunker A7. And to get there, we've got to cross the River Trent. We were hoping just to nip over the bridge that led into the next town, and of course, the bunker. But, well... How do I put this? It's mostly collapsed, you know, into the river. And the the parts that aren't collapsed into the river are, well, they're completely rusted. All the metalwork and the framework on this side is just a big pile of coppery rust. And it's deep rust as well, not just on the surface. We went to have a closer look and it was so rusted that some of it crumbled away just at Elliot's touch. It was unsettling, to say the least. So anyway, bridge out of the question. We've only got one other option, other than finding a boat, of course, and that option is the tunnel we're standing at the entrance of at the moment. It's about a ten-minute walk away from where the bridge is. Was. And it appears to be undamaged, which is a good sign. Yeah, apart from the fact... Oi! I was getting to that part. Okay. Since when did you become Mr. Vocal? Anyway, there's a slight problem with the tunnel. Well, two slight problems, to be precise. Problem one, which isn't too bad. It's flooded a little, and I know the tunnel actually dips down in the centre before it comes back up the other side, so it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. Bit of a stupid design if you ask me. Why would you make it curve if it was going under a river? What if it breaks its banks or something? You are aware that drainage is a thing, right Elliot? You don't really think they build a tunnel without putting any drainage in, do you? Your silence says it all. And as far as the drainage, that is most definitely blocked. Elliot, I want you to describe the next bit. This sort of thing is actually your area of expertise. Are you kidding me? How the fuck can this be my area of expertise? In fact, Roman, I don't believe this is anyone's area of expertise. Unless there are some people who've been studying alien as fuck gross for a few years before all this happened. (sighs) Fine. Fine. To me, the tunnel looks like a gaping moor right now. And I'm not just saying that to be metaphorical, because it feels like we're going to plunge ourselves willfully into the belly of some gargantuan creature, but, well, that's how it feels. The entrance has stopped looking man-made. It looks... biological. Now, I don't want to say natural, because it most definitely isn't. But living and growing, I'm sure of it. 
Roman, do you remember those few times when Dad would come home from work and he'd be asked to remove a wasp nest from somewhere? And the nest happened to be abandoned already, so he'd take it out and bring it home for us to look at. <laughs> what? Oh, I missed that. Your point, Elliot? Uh, look. Look at this stuff. Ignore the glow underneath and the colour and just look at the texture. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I see what you're saying. It's so similar. It has that papery look to it. It's layered just like a nest. Elliot. But it's huge instead. And from what I can tell, it stretches on into the tunnel fully, even... Elliot! What? You keep saying it's like a wasp nest. Biological, living, growing, whatever. Yeah. If that's what you think, then where's what made this? Oh. Oh, indeed. It could be abandoned, right? Like the ones Dad brought home. Just a husk. How hopeful are you feeling about that? Incredibly. That's pretty much all that's been fueling me since we left the woods room in. Hope. Hope that this will end soon. Hope that I'm not actually living in the nightmare that I am. Hope that we'll make it through this. That as well. Shall we? If we're ever going to make it to Bunker A7, we've got to try. I suppose. I really don't want to do this, though. Not my idea of a leisurely afternoon either, bro. (sighs) Right. Time to end this delightfully morbid recording. Here's to making out the other side. Under the river we go. I'm going to move straight on to the next entry from Elliot's journal. I'll start from when we went in. That's, uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to do this. I'm, (laughs) I'm glad we're not going anywhere for a bit. I don't think I could. So, Roman and I recorded a bit of a description and conversation about the tunnel before we headed in there, and for the sake of how long I have to write this, I'm going to assume that you've heard it. If you haven't, though, just know that it was flooded and there was a sort of wasp nest-like thing growing inside there. (sighs) To be honest, I I don't think I did it justice in my verbal description. If you've ever seen a wasp's nest, imagine that. Papery and layered built but organic textured like sandpaper but it's not brown or beige like you're imagining it's grey and black and in the darkest parts wherever the largest mass of the thing is it glimmers faintly like stars blinking on a clear winter night they don't give any meaningful light where you are but they're there all the same deep in the organic growth of the husk. Dull, yellowy spots shimmer in and out of existence, like a pulse, almost. That's what I missed out. That's what I couldn't put into words earlier. When we headed in, right, it was, it was about five in the afternoon when we headed in, and it's only just now coming to the end of August, so still plenty of light left, right? But of course, going into a tunnel, when we've seen all of two of the living people in nearly three weeks and the electricity grid is completely dead, yeah, not the best idea. Luckily though, when we stopped off at that bloody supermarket, Roman managed to get some batteries for our head torches at least, which as you can imagine, was the only positive thing about heading into that tunnel. It quickly became apparent that the water was only going to get deeper as we headed in, just like Roman said. 
He also said as we started making our way further in that if we wanted to be able to carry on when we got out the other side and if we didn't want to get blisters on our feet and our heels rubbed raw from wet socks and shoes, then we should take them off, go barefoot, hang the shoes from our backs. He said the floor was flat there and said that last time he walked through it was pretty clean, so it'd be the same now. And to be honest, of all things, going barefoot doesn't really bother me. I used to walk up Penglis Hill from the beach in Aberystwyth to my uni halls barefoot all the time. Not fussed. But when you can't see your feet because the water is so blackened by the grime of life, well, that's something else entirely. The tunnel quickly became an echo chamber of water sloshing around our bare feet and legs. We weaved around the papery nest-like growth crawling under parts even had to climb over it at one point for the most part we were lucky enough to be able to find a way through without disturbing it much it wasn't until we stopped for a moment to catch our breath after a particularly difficult section that we heard the sound at first it was well it was hard to pick out one of those sounds you can't quite hear until somebody tells you it's there I was the first to hear it and immediately I felt this knot ball in my throat. At first I couldn't pin down the reason why, but then it came to me. It had a similar pitch as that thing in Roman's house. It wasn't the same sound, not at all, but the pitch it rose to, it was unmistakably the same. Once I was certain I wasn't going mad and it actually was there, I told Roman to stop and to listen. I fully expected him to tell me he couldn't hear it and call me paranoid. But the way he looked back at me, in that yellow torchlight of the tunnel, I knew that he not only heard it, but he recognised it, the same as I did. Once he'd listened for a moment or two, he tilted his head and leant closer to the bulbous husk that masked the wall beside us. I fucking knew it, he said with only a little hint of surprise. It was coming from the husk. As we waded on and the water slowly became deeper, our voices echoing more and more in the narrowing tunnel, we discussed the implications of the humming sound. Somehow it was easier to talk about what had happened back at Roman's house whilst we were in that tunnel. Maybe it was the separation from everything we knew as normal. Maybe it was just easier in the near darkness. Our words are not convoluted by the dozens of microfacial expressions dictating how we phrased something before we'd even thought about saying it. It was easier there. Ironically, the air between us felt clearer, despite it being filled with motes of dust glimmered in the torchlight. We came to the conclusion that the sound had the potential to be what we decided to call enthralling. In the fantasy story sense, that it could enthrall you to go towards it, to be enamoured with it, or the thing it came from. Like, what happened back at Romans? At this point, whatever we decided next wasn't going to stop the possibility that it could happen again. Either we turned around and walked back out the tunnel, or we carried on to the end. Either way, we'd be surrounded by that ethereal humming, whether we liked it or not. There was a kind of peace in that. Knowing that regardless of your decision, the end result was the same. It took the pressure away from the risk-taking. When both options were a risk, it didn't matter. You embrace your fate, I suppose. Shortly after accepting our fate, 
the tunnel suddenly got much narrower. Between the nest-like husk and the gathering water that now came up to our thighs, we had little choice other than to slow the pace, wade through as carefully as we could without disturbing the growth, ducking and squeezing ourselves through ever-tightening spaces. It was here that we had to descend slightly. At first it was a blessing. I thought we'd finally made it through the bend in the tunnel, and we were on our way out. It quickly became apparent that this wasn't the case at all. I can still feel the way that papery mush felt on my feet even now. My bare feet pushed into that grey growth, feeling like it was grabbing at me with every wet footstep. Up and up we went and down and down our heads followed as we grew steadily closer to the ceiling and the growth that bulged out at random intervals. Soon we had no choice but to crawl through the spaces completely made up of it. We trod as carefully as we could, but with such heavy backpacks and soaking wet trousers it was hard. There were parts where we had to push our bags out in front of us or pass them through to each other as we squeezed through the tiny gaps barely big enough for our bodies. I'm not usually fussed about small spaces, but every moment I had to press my body up against that husk felt hideous, and I could have sworn the humming grew louder by the second. After some time, we came to an opening. The tunnel floor was visible once more. A wave of relief sweeping over me that it wasn't flooded on this side. However this had all happened, the water must have arrived after the growth. That or it was slowly absorbing the water as it made its way through the tunnel. In the gloom of that opening, Roman and I got to wiping our feet and putting our shoes back on now that we were out of it. There'd be time to dry the rest of our clothes later. At least our feet were dry. It wasn't until I'd sorted myself out that I even considered looking around. After so long of the same black and grey husk and the moats floating in our torchlight, I stopped looking and focused on myself. I was almost glad that it took me that long to notice. We sat with our backs to the visible wall of the tunnel, heads down, eyes on our stuff. I sorted my shoes first and looked up, assessing the route ahead and just a little further down the tunnel, on the opposite wall, something caught my eye. It's funny how your brain does that, isn't it? Somewhere deep down, there's this survival instinct there, so when you see an outline, a shape, a suggestion of something it might consider threatening, it throws a big red flag at you. It says, whoa, hold up, what's that? And that's it then, isn't it? You have to know. I leave my bag on the floor by Roman. He's still sorting out his shoes and moving some stuff around in his bag, so he's not going to notice. A few steps later, I'm greeted with what caught my eye and fully aware of why. Staring at me, exactly matching my eyeline, is a skull. A human skull. I instinctively take a step back and look away. Roman hears my groan of disgust and rushes over. He almost exactly mimics my reaction, followed by the obligatory. What the fuck is that? Of course, I couldn't ignore this. I couldn't continue knowing that this was here and I didn't at least let curiosity have its way. 
After a few deep breaths, I turned my gaze back towards it. Immediately, I locked eyes with those deep, round sockets. As I'm sure you can imagine, it was unsettling, to say the least. I took a step closer, to see more clearly, and by this time Roman had grabbed a hand torch out of his bag, illuminating most of the tunnel around us. It was horrifying to have so much light pouring in on such a thing. The skull was half-formed with the growth on the wall, the papery layers wrapping around the back half. It took me longer than I care to accept that the skull had no jawbone. I'm... I've only get hard to write this in order, so um, understand the reason why I'm telling you this. This wasn't just a skull in the wall. It was an entire body merged with the growth and the wall. But it was all warped and stretched out of shape. The torso was impossibly far below the skull. The legs twisted at unnatural angles, arms splayed out to either side, and one completely detached and about a metre away, but in a mirror position to its counterpart. And all around, all between each piece of the grotesque form, was the growth, the nest. But it was so black here, so completely black it refused to reflect a single particle of our torchlight. And within it, despite the all-consuming darkness, those same star-like glimmers twinkled from beneath its surface. There were so many, but no light. Not a speck. I was almost mesmerized by it so drawn in to the juxtaposition of it all, the stark contrast of all-consuming darkness with light beneath its surface. Roman inadvertently broke me out of the trance by calling my name, followed by the foreboding, you need to see this, his voice carrying traces of fear. He was shining his torch directly at the skeletal arm that was distanced from the body, the one separated. What? I said, oblivious at first. There he replied, gesturing with one extended finger, very specifically pointing to the hand of the poor soul. I took a step closer and saw what he was transfixed on. Trailing across the wall from each of his fingers were grey tendrils that twisted and curved and wound their way round one another before disappearing into the tumour that had consumed this dreaded place. My stomach dropped. My breathing became quick and shallow, and I clutched at my hands, and the only word I could think to say did nothing to help. Fuck. We should go. Like, now, Roman said, the fear no longer just a trace. Without a word, we turned, shouldered our bags, and marched through the tunnel. No longer impeded by the rising water, it wasn't long before we started to see the first glimmers of light again signalling the exit. Although the journey wasn't without its moments of panic, we still had the host to contend with. Pushing through more carefully than before, it was hard to balance wanting nothing more than to leave with taking care not to disturb the unknown. But with every step the light grew ever so slightly brighter, matching the hope in my heart. Even the husk itself abated as we marched our way towards the light. Yet, of course, that's when we were stopped in our tracks. Suddenly, as if manifested from the light at the end of the tunnel, a silhouetted figure appeared. In an eruption of movement, it bolted towards us, screaming, 
and moaning a mix of pain laced with anger. Immediately, Roman took a step in front of me and pushed me to one side. His instinct to protect was comforting, but it did nothing to stem the fear and adrenaline now coursing through my body. I hefted my torch as though it was a passable weapon, and Roman did the same. He didn't bother fumbling for anything else. Within seconds, the figure was upon us, and as Roman sidestepped to move out of their path and swiftly defend himself if needed, the figure carried on right past us and vanished. Roman and I stared at each other in complete shock, and for a split second, shared a knowing look. Seconds later, the same thing happened again. Silhouette. Anguished screams. Racing footsteps. Gone. It was the same as the silhouette in the garden. As the shadow that endlessly repeated the action of water in the garden and running away. One we both saw. It was the same, but there was something different about this person, something we couldn't quite make out, and it seemed like our torchlight did more to disrupt the shadow than it did to illuminate it. We decided that if we were going to find out, we were going to do it properly. We paced up to where the shadow formed, and when we were there, it was clear the shadow itself seemed to form from the air, seemingly from nothing. On a hunch of the old age, light versus shadow, We switched our torches off for the briefest moment, and in the dim light reaching us from the tunnel exit, we were able to see what was different. Spiralling out from the shadow's fingers were those same tendrils, only small to begin with, but with each pounding step it took, they twisted, knotted, and grew. It was clear why the person was screaming. It was clear who we saw earlier so mutilated and walked in the wall. Within moments, our torches were back on, and we shared a similar, screw this moment. We ran toward the exit of the tunnel, all the while painfully aware that the high-pitched humming sound was becoming no less subtle. In fact, it was becoming louder. The abating growth now visibly resonated with the sound of it all. Dust particles stirred up by the commotion of our movement and the vibrations coming from the growth affecting the walls and the floor itself and an unnerving cold seeping into the air around us, cold enough to see our breath within seconds. The sudden shock of it all jolted us into moving in such a rigid and clunky way. Pushing through the tight gaps barely large enough to fit through, we burst out into the fading light of the afternoon. I didn't stop until we made it up the steps, up to the road that ran parallel to the river. The air felt so fresh it almost hurt to breathe. Our faces, legs, arms and hands smeared with grey ash-like dust. I can still see it in the grooves of my skin as I'm writing this. In my fingerprints. Under my fingernails. And it won't come out. We have to make it to Bunker A7. I cannot stay out here any longer. I thought that writing down what happened would help, but it's not doing that anymore. If anything, I'm only doing this so that when I inevitably end up like that person merged with a concrete wall and a monstrous wasp's nest that someone might find this. No, to run the hell away from anything that you know shouldn't be there. To just run... 
Don't think you're better than it. Don't think you can overcome it. Just run. Whatever this is, it's beyond us. And it sees beyond us. We are not above this. We're not even equals. We're not even thinking on the same goddamn level. We are ants to this thing. A sprawling panic of ants. Gladly carrying the poison back to our nests. What am I doing? What the hell am I doing? There they are again, the indicators, the signs of something happening. The shadows that play out actions that seem to have happened in the past. The sudden drop in temperature, and now with the addition of this resonating humming as Elliot described it. And believe me, survivors, it is indeed, as Elliot says, the same as the one they heard at Roman's house. In between the next recording at the previous, the one we listened to at the start of the broadcast, there was an incredibly short recording taken. I believe it was either an accident or some sort of disturbance similar to what we've heard before. It surely wouldn't surprise me if it was the latter. I'm not going to share the recording with you as it's quite painful to listen to. It seems as though the recorder came on just as they encountered the screaming shadow that ran towards them. I could hear the humming Elliot spoke of though, and quite clearly in fact. It seems that Elliot might have actually downplayed the intensity of the noise as it was disconcerting if nothing else. It seems as though we have a solid list of effects caused by these disturbances. Whether the humming is linked at all, I I can't yet say. Ah. The bane of a scientist's life. Discovering effects with evidence and no sign of the original cause. Constantly working backwards. Damn it. I hope Claire can shed some light on this at the observatory. Okay. I think this would be an appropriate place to leave it. The next recording doesn't take place until a little while after this encounter, and I wish to conserve as much power as possible this evening. We've had a few late nights here at the bunker. Keeping the power running for longer in the day than needed has drained our resources more than necessary. I wish you all the best, survivors, and until next time, don't wander in the dark. Survivors, just one last message from me. If you'd like to support us here at Bunker A12... To help us keep sharing the stories of our shattered world with you, then please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wake of corrosion. There are plenty of extra insights available there, as well as Letters to Shadows, a monthly series of additional stories from other survivors like yourselves. Any contributions will be hugely beneficial to help keep us from wandering in the dark. Before the credits, I'd like to give a shout out to our very generous Patreon subscribers at the A12 resident tier and above. Indike, Laurel, Nath, Paul, Trace, AJ Pumpkin, Austin Danger, and Twiglets. Thank you all very much. Thank you for listening. For news and updates, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Wake of Corrosion. Wake of Corrosion was written, directed, and produced by Sean Pellington, with voice acting from Kieran Walsh as Professor Ryan, Lee Pellington as Roman, Sean Pellington 
as Elliot. Title and credits read by Adele Cliff. Our introduction theme, Shadowlands 5, Antichamber, and outro theme, Phantasm, were created by Kevin MacLeod, sourced from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. Both pieces have been reduced from their originals with fade-out, added voiceover, and radiostatic effects. Morse Code SFX, courtesy of Stephen C. Phillips of MorseCode.world, all other sound effects are self-recorded from soundsnap.com or zapsplat.com. For our full list of credits, please visit the website in our show notes. Thank you again for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.